0: It's not working on yourself in some boring self improvement program or some terrible spiritual search trying to get somewhere, creating the persona of the person trying to be spiritual or the person trying to realize it's all this is all insanity because you are the cosmos.
1: In this podcast, Rituals co-founder Rose Lamont dives deep into conversations with authentic spiritual teachers, philosophers, and inspiring individuals from around the world to share their pearls of wisdom with you. I think many people go out and study study yoga, and this is, this is my personal experience. I'm speaking on behalf of myself, but I do know a lot of people feel this way they learn the yoga philosophy and then they're unable to reconcile that with the physical practice. They seem almost at odds with one another, or it's kind of like, how does that fit into the practice? Because again, there is this, this pushing and this try this level of trying to attain one thing after the other, but, and also it's very difficult to, to understand how that union takes place within the body, aside from in a superficial intellectual way, you know, to actually feel it, like you're saying, with the actual breath and the unification of the breath. I mean, um, yeah, even just, even just, you know, going back through the heart of yoga recently, you know, prior to this interview and reading, you know, the principles and the way to use the banda, you know, as a way. Like, like in the physical practice, the way that it's described, um, it does give you a living experience of what is otherwise sometimes just something that you read, and then your practice being something different. Um, I'm not sure if that came out right. I'm sure you can explain it a little bit better.
0: No, I hear you. I sad to say, and uh, Krishnamacharya was saddened in his life that what he actually taught, what he brought. Forth from his gurus, was not there in the commodification of yoga that went into the West. Paradoxically, through his own young students, Mr. Ayanga and, and uh, Patabi, this uh, style called Ashtanga Vinyasa. It didn't; these principles didn't come through. And I'd like to mention that many, many people I know now who have had a background in these popular styles who put the principles of Krishnamacharya into any yoga system, including the derivatives, all the derivatives that actually came from Krishnamacharya. If you put these into Iyengar's practice and into Patabi Joyce, into Ashtanga Vinyasa, something magical happens. The body is empowered. So a young friend of mine said it felt it felt like putting strapping on a um a turbocharged kit onto his yoga, you know, and it makes it ent- your your yoga entirely your own uh and makes it efficient, powerful, and safe.
1: And it is technical, would you say? It is technical. It's not, you know, just breathing in and breathing out and trying to focus here and there and that. It's 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 a technical. It's technology. It's it's quite specific.
0: Yeah, it it's it. Look, it's very easy to learn and it's very easy to teach, but it is quite exacting of what it actually is. I said the asana is for the breath, this union. So as my arms come up, I inhale, and this is the receptive gesture in life. As I do a forward bend, it's exhale strength. You see, and it and all the 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 breath is the. We say the breath is the guru, obey the guru. It's kind of a joke, but it's a serious joke. Let The breath is the gauge to the asana of how you do asana. And it's not just any old asana. It must be according to the body type and the age and the health of the person. But there's a principle that anybody can do yoga. This yoga is the practical means to actualize the beautiful ideals that are in the uh, religious wisdom of humanity or the spiritual wisdom, you know, the ideals that we have, not just religious ideals, you know, the ideals to have a a nice life and to have a good relationship, you know, to be relaxed and healthy. The yoga is the practical means to actualize the ideals that have been put in us, that there must be a yoga, you see, for all all, all cultures, all people, this yoga flourished in the period of the tantras and went all around the ancient world as because it was useful to all religious points of view, all language groups. And, you know, he came down to Mysore from Tibet with the same intention. This is useful for everybody. This is useful for Christians. This is useful for Islam. It's useful for Jewish commitment, useful for atheists, useful for Buddhists, (laughs) not the struggling with the ideals of a future attainment that is only creating the persona of the person trying to get realized. You know, all this effort of seeking, all this meditation, you're just creating the person who is the seeker, you know, makes matters worse. So all of that idealism of spirituality and religion needs to be flushed out of our system. And then we are just as we are. And then there's the yoga of intimacy with life as it actually is. Or if it's not, if it's not flushed out of our system, it flushes it out to, to start doing a yoga practice. It's hard to get rid of this programming.
1: Well, yeah, the programming is self-improvement, right? And I guess it's like. I think what we discussed briefly on the phone the other day that sometimes, you know, for me and and for a lot of people, there tends to be that tension because of the programming. It's like there's nothing to improve, but I still do need to do these techniques to experience, you know, this reality that I'm trying to attain. So there is the dynamic of duality within the framework of non-duality, that you know, there is a binding that needs to take place or a unification that needs to take place. And I think that's where people get trapped. It's just, yeah. I'm not sure what you have to say about that.
0: I would ask Yuji about this. He was he was a wild character. It's hard to understand Yuji. And he would say, Yeah, you know, I said, why yoga? You know, if we are already the power of the cosmos. Uh, which we actually are. Why yoga? And he said to me once, um, uh, all creatures who are traumatised start moving and breathing and beautiful rhythmic patterns of whole body breathing. And then we found this YouTube video of a polar bear that had been traumatised, had been with a stun gun, and as it came out of its into consciousness, it started this huge. <laughs> moving and breathing with his great limbs. And that was the answer. You see, when we have been patterned, when we know very well we are seekers, we're not in life as it actually is, then there's something that you can do that unpatterns the system and allows the body to be as it is. Now we call it the heart-breath, the union of inhale with the whole body union of inhale with exhale strength that is actually receptive. And I'd say to you clearly as the lawnmower starts buzzing on the Australian suburbs, hope you can hear me, is that that you are the power of the cosmos. This is a fact. I'm not making a spiritual statement. This is not not a poem. You know, it's not a roomy poem. You are the power of the cosmos, the body is the cosmos. And the body is a pure intelligence, what it is, how it's functioning. Life is a pure intelligence. And your body is is in an intrinsic harmony with the total cosmos, its context, you see. This is a fact, it's the fact for every person, it's a fact, and it's kind of an obvious fact. So, yeah, we've been traumatized and patterned and so forth. And so there's this beautiful thing that you can do actually, naturally, daily, but non-obsessively. It's not working on yourself in some boring self-improvement program or some terrible spiritual search trying to get somewhere. Creating the persona of the person trying to be spiritual or the person trying to realize it's all this is all insanity. Because you are the cosmos.
1: So call off the search. I guess that would be your advice to people.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's something else I'd like to add. Is that it's uh, if you look into the natural world, everybody can see that the natural world is unspeakable beauty. Everything, everywhere is beauty. I'm looking out the window here, the branches and the the flowers on the trees and the sunlight everything in the natural world is beauty and guess what you are of the natural world everybody here is of the natural world you therefore you are the beauty beauty is not to be attained or got to or captured on instagram or art even you are the beauty wow
1: it's really beautiful so, what you're saying and yeah and really and really powerful i i hope that yeah, I, I really hope that more people can can come into contact with you and what you're teaching and, and the way that you're offering offering yoga. And um, I want to ask you about daily practice, and for for maybe for people who have done yoga for a long time or they're just starting out, what is the best way for people to begin to access what you're talking about in a daily yoga practice?
0: We've been banging away on Instagram for quite a while now. You've you've seen it, and uh, each post. I've got a few friends who are doing it too. Uh, we say we call it right use of social media. You know, where you're, you're actually communicating something that's important to the world, and uh, so that's there. And my name Mark Whitwell. So this is like an easy access to some of the things that are that are pertinent that's being said here. But then I'd ask that people look at the online courses. Uh, we have one called the immersion. Uh, the immersion into the hatha yoga personal practice and it's all there it's lots of video and so forth and then we have a full teacher training course that's all on video it's recorded so people take, can take it at their own pace and then live events we're up in bali on the uh, december 4th for a week so everybody's welcome of course uh the, we're calling it um advanced training for teachers you know people who want to get this into their into their teaching curriculum and understand. To put the principles that Macharya brought forth from the great Tantric period, uh, that, you know, 10th century Ramanuja is, is absolutely a requirement within Vedanta and Buddhism that these principles be included. Yeah, but it, it, it sort of got lost in the weeds on the way. And so if anyone wants to put these principles into their, Uh, cultural practice their spiritual practice and into their yoga practice whatever they've been doing this is what i recommend that you come either to a live teaching situation or um that we do from time to time or you know it's been a miracle to to be online and since covid we've got we did a teacher training there we had people from 57 countries on this course. And it's very heartening to see that these people become friends around the world. I don't think it's happened before. And I'm very pleased that it's kind of like a fulfillment of what Krishnamacharya was trying to do is to get this into the mainstream. When I when I, before I put out the heart of yoga for Desikacharya, that book, um, developing a personal practice. uh, I used the I said to I came back from the US and I said you know this this must be in the mainstream <laughs> it's not there and he loved that word mainstream he said yes we must mainstream and uh, I think this time of the pandemic has caused us to get into the mainstream of this online methodology and I'm I'm heartened that it's it has worked I mean to a tiny degree the world is a monster but we've made a beginning you know and it's like how we contacted you this very way, uh, how you, some of the points that are pertinent to the actual yoga practice came through to you by the, by this method. And this is good enough, you know. I, I People all around the place, and now, because we travel now, people are meeting each other in bl- flesh and blood. And I was like, we don't have to have these meetings, you know, that, this what we do here online. That's the cake. We've got the cake. And the meeting in the same room together, I mean, in the same geography together, <laughs> like actual bodies in the same room, uh, is it's the icing on the cake. But I said, you don't need the icing. But icing is delicious. You don't need it. Oh, I think that's We don't need a, yeah, it. Yeah.
1: That's a really big relief I'm sure for so many people who maybe financially it's a barrier for them to yeah. to go overseas or totally. you know so it means that they can access these direct yeah. teachings and have the transmission of these teachings in a way that's going to be effective um even if they can't be in the physical space like that's that's incredible.
0: See uh, yoga's been associated with lifestyle. It's uh, been the activity of you know, white leisure class money, you know, the happy downtown life, which sort of gone now. You know, it's not there. And there are many, many people who cannot participate in yoga like that or go to paradise places and hang out with celebrities. You know, it's not it's not like that. It's never supposed to be like that. And he he Krishna sternly say yoga is not commercial activity. <laughs> yoga is caring for each other at a local level. You know, and anybody anybody who wants to can do a right yoga. So I'm saying that people can access this online. We've tried very hard to make sure all these principles are there, especially the the technology of the actual doing the yoga practice, the physical practice. And as I said, it's easily learnt, but quite exacting in what it is.
1: And would you say it's 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 exacting and it's safe because it's it's very gentle um, on the body? Would you say like the practices themselves? It's not um, any crazy pranayamas or extreme like bodily postures. Would you say that you know the techniques themselves are um, accessible for most?
0: Yeah well, there's definitely a gentleness to it, but it's not necessarily wimpy because you can do you can do very strong demanding you know, for younger people or you know for anybody who's strong enough, you meet the strength that is already there in the body. So you can work it quite quite strenuously, but not without utter receptivity through so where the inhale is, is merging with the exhale my strength is merged with receptivity and that's that's the key point that brings health to the system and clarity of mind you know and links the body and mind to reality itself that is the nurturing force of the heart or the nurturing force that is life itself that brought us here in the first place and is presently sustaining us that anybody can do that so it's not just a gentle wimpy little thing
1: yeah no I like what you're saying about it that that you know the that it meets the strength that already exists within within the exists within the body which I guess goes even more into the idea that you can be doing yoga is being done for the individual the principles are being applied within the individual in within the individual circumstances I mean, listening to you speak, I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast who isn't already aware of what you do and and what you're teaching, it's going to sound very foreign, you know, like because we've been programmed to be doing yoga in such a way for a long time, this forceful breath, you know, this trying, this pushing the body. And um, I think it's uh it's it's really beautiful to hear what you're saying, and I'm really looking forward to to studying with you further myself. And uh, I I also just want to touch on that point that you know when you say and Krishna said that meditation is is something that comes as a gift from these practices, the pranayama and the asana done well. And again, the idea that it's given to you is a complete negation of something that you would fight for. So. Yeah, just what you're saying about participating well in what's happening already with yourself to receive that clarity that is meditation. I mean, what a beautiful experience, which is, I mean, that's foreign like to, for most of us to hear when, they, when we think about yoga.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, meditation has also been sold as a commodity, as a method towards a future result. It's a billion dollar industry, this mindfulness industry, you know, and it's been dissociated from its roots. And so you nailed it. Asana, pranayama, and meditation are a seamless process. This clarity of mind and just residing in life as it actually is, is meditation. And that comes as a gift from doing your asana and your pranayama in the way that's right for you. So we stop struggling with these ideas, these commodities of meditation. There's no problem in the mind, there is no problem. There's never been a, you know, the universe does not have a problem. Humanity has a problem and it's thought created misery dissociation from what life actually is. But you and I and anybody listening does not have this problem. I'm quite um, knocked out by this moment here, Rose, because I'm in the suburbs of Perth. And guess what? There's very noisy uh, machinery outside um, in the suburbs like doing the grass and so on and so forth. And it's reminding me that this, what we're sharing is for the ordinary life. It's for all ordinary people. And we're just... We're kind of pushing through the, at least I am, because it's very noisy here. Uh, hopefully, the microphone's blocking it out, but uh, I'm pushing through the obstructions of the patterning of the usual life that turns us all into seekers, either spiritual seekers or just seekers in money and alcohol and whatever <laughs> that we are bound to. And yoga is the the daily practice of these principles, cuts through all of that, cuts through the obstructions that seem to be there. They're not really there. There is no separate self. There is no seeker. That is thought created, being created by the knowledge authorities, you know. So I'm hearing that this is going to be received by all people everywhere and I'm so happy to hear Thank you
1: so much Mark for for speaking to me. I mean I feel really um, at ease with everything that you've said like it's not something that's created confusion or rumination in my mind. I feel really illuminated by everything you've said and actually some of the things you've said have felt like even just going back to that statement that you said, Krishnamacharya made about the truth always wins, or the truth always really comes through. I think, yeah, you've spoken a lot of truth in this conversation, and it's really, um, it's really nice to feel what it, that feels like in the body. It's very relaxing to hear.
0: Thank you. Um, this what you've received through the online work has definitely informed your practice, and you know helped you. Help you with the yoga that you already know and love. You know this. Uh, this, this is not like a style of yoga here. These are uh, ancient principles that Macharya brought through that belong in all yoga. You know
1: that's beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's that's what it is. Well, I'm just reminded to say so. We these podcasts are very useful. I think there's been a very good communication uh, transmission mechanism, and I've got one called the Heart of Yoga podcast. And we've interviewed lots of people from all around the world, all different kinds of people, all ages, all countries, and different types of people who are practicing yoga. And to listen to these is quite uh, helpful, I think. People can understand from their own position, you know, what their yoga will look like.
1: Mm, Yeah, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts from the Heart of Yoga, and they're they're really they're really great to listen to and really good. eh? Yeah, they are. And um, I think you never got around to telling that story. And just for the sake of completion, because I did, did say it at the beginning. And just for anyone listening, I thought it was really interesting, the story that you, that you shared that I asked you about with Ramdas, and, you know, him, him being, he was a student of yours, right at the end of his life. And he shared a story with you. Would you mind you know, finishing our conversation with that story.
0: Yeah, but I just, (laughs) the shamanic (laughs) dog barking. This is important. Listen, everybody, listen up. (laughs) I was definitely a student of Ramdas When his book came out, I was like 18 sitting on the porch of my uh, house in Northland, New Zealand, reading his book and going, my God, you know, it's information that I didn't have. And I'm very grateful to those early Western pioneers, you know, who brought this material in. Uh, Certain, certainly that particular book uh, woke me up to some human potentials that I didn't know about in my education in the suburbs of New Zealand. So um, I am his student. Uh, later on, uh, late in his life after he'd had a stroke, I was invited on a number of occasions to come and teach the yoga at his gatherings. So I got to know him very well. we became close friends and one and I taught him yoga too and I he, he'd had a stroke so it was careful, you know some assisted movement and moving and breathing in the way that he could do that was right for him. And uh, on a private meeting that I had with him, some two or three years had gone by and I sat with him and he was just had tears rolling down his face. And I said, what is it? Why? Why Why are you sobbing, dear dear man? And he said, "Uh, look, he said, I was responsible for the spiritual education in the West. It's a job that I had taken on. and, uh, And I never knew what yoga was. He said, thanks to you, I now know what it is. And I know how important it is to... The spiritual life that we hold here, and I said, "Oh, well, thank you so much!" You know, I say, and and he said, "I regret very much that I didn't include it in the, what I was teaching in my uh, work as a really as a like a spiritual teacher, as a mm-hmm. spiritual missionary." And um, I said, "Look, it's fine. I'll take it from here." <laughs> we said, by that time, we were laughing a little bit. And then I said, "How did that happen? That you didn't get get it, and you you didn't mm-hmm. understand how vital uh, asana and pranayama is to the life of spiritual realization." And it's kind of interesting because his his guru, Nimkarali Baba, he was a Vaishnava. You see, the reality realizes in the Vaishnavism and the Vedanta, and Krishna Macharya is the same Krishna Macharya, they're devotees of Vishnu, you know, of 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 God. And um, so there's this crossover there. And I said, why? How come you never got that link of asana and pranayama spiritual practice? He said to me, all my teachers of asana were show offs. And I would try to do what they did, and I couldn't do it. So I lost interest. It didn't seem to be relevant to me. That's what he said. He said, I regret it so much. And that's Still, the situation that we're in today is this relevance of as, right asana and pranayama to one's spiritual life, whether it's a Christian life or a Muslim life, whatever kind of life. Or just the sort of modern time, new age spirituality, you know, this this matter is not there yet. So I do thank you for helping to get it there. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for sharing. And the
0: suburbs, as the lawnmower out here gets louder and louder. We're cutting through the noise.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that story. I think um I think it's really it's it's relieving for people to think and hear that, you know, if someone who dedicated their life to to pursuing these teachings and who came from an academic background like Ramdas did, you know, and um, you know, there is that view from many people um and including myself they see yoga as kind of like a dumb pursuit when they're looking at it in the in the context of modern life it looks silly um and people are turned off because of that show-off kind of pretentious vibe that it has so um I think it's interesting to see that even Ramdas, someone who was immersed in that missed it you know and and it wasn't until the end of his life he was able to to experience it thankfully with you, um, so it just goes to show you know I mean how critical it is that you know people are actually yeah you know learning with people like you and and trying to and trying to get it and trying to eventually you know turn around the public perception of what yoga is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a really powerful story that you shared. And, and, yeah, thank you for sharing it. It's a personal story. And, yeah, I appreciate you um, telling
0: it. I can remember him doing his, his asana, which was being in his wheelchair, moving and breathing with his arms and his legs and some t- exhale, twist, inhale, untwist, you know, and simple movements. And then he completed and he, and he went into like a spontaneous pranayama where this Great chest would be inhaling, exhale, and just spontaneous movement of breath, and then that subside, and then you just go into a deep peace, the meditation spontaneously arising, you know, residing in and as reality itself. And I saw that how that process of asana and pranayama and meditation is a seamless process, and I it was important because it's in his own tradition. You know, it comes right out of the Bhagavad Gita, where, you know, Arjuna, the yogi, is freaked out. and He doesn't want to do his life. He doesn't want to go into battle. And he's shaking in his boots. And Krishna says to him, sacrifice the inhale to the exhale. Sacrifice the exhale to the inhale. Be a yogi, O Arjuna, and go and act without attachment to the fruits of action. One must act, be in the world, you know. <laughs> but this, this union of the inhale, exhale. I mean, this comes from five thousand years ago in a great yoga text. It's total mystery that it's even there, you know.
1: It's very cryptic, though, isn't it? Because you know, it's it's cryptic because you can read that, and then you need someone to teach you how that applies in the body. So. Yeah, it's you can see how it's so easily misunderstood and lost in the source. And then it's a bunch of other things. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm really grateful. You've clarified a lot of things for me just in this in this brief conversation. And I feel really um, grateful and and inspired to continue to to learn more from you.
0: Yeah, it it is considered that an intervention of an actual friend, you know, someone who cares about you, an actual teacher is a requirement to cut through the otherwise uh, obstructive patterning that's there and uh but as as we said uh, the teachers know more than a friend no less than a friend and we we have certainly tried to do that online because of this gift of online communication that we have it's either going to save Humanity or kill Humanity you know that so speak the this matter this truth in this online method you know and i also think you know just to say to finally say this uh this exactingness of how anybody no matter who they are does actual asana you know and what is the technology of actual asana that was there in the wisdom traditions of god realization or reality realization to put it more succinctly mm. you know what life actually is the substance of pure existence, that I am, that you are, that the listener is, this this context, that is life itself. How do we do that? And I think it deserves the same discernment from the scholars, from the spiritual scholars, from the yoga scholars. And, you know, they again and again bypass it.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: And because Mr. Iyengar's been attributed as being an authority, they think that's it and they look at it and it's kind of not of interest to them. Mm. And you know anybody who's, a, who's got a serious interest in study in yoga should be looking at these principles that came through that Krishnamacharya brought through from the great traditions. Mm. And certainly the scholars and you know there are lots of people writing books on the tantras and so forth and they they tend universally not to look at the actual practice. Mm. Because this pre- yoga has been branded as something else. You
1: know? Yeah, and I think as well, looking back, I even did a, a a short course on the history of yoga with a yoga scholar, and and it was interesting the way it was taught. You know because of the academic nature of the course, it was evidence-based, you know, so they were looking for evidence of asana or pranayama. And so, you know, when it's looked at from purely that framework, it's like, well, we can only say that it would start here and that it's completely disconnected to the Vedas or this or that. So it is interesting the way that yoga is interpreted through the prism of academia um, and it would, I think it takes people who have a genuine interest in the scholastic nature of where yoga comes from and a practice, right? Because otherwise it becomes too linear um, and I guess lost again. So would you say that anyone who's pursuing studying yoga should, they need to have that, I don't know, that, that embodiment happening as well?
0: This Well, just to bring the same academic discernment to what asana actually is why asana why pranayama and they don't do they universally don't do that Uh, and the reason they don't is a bit curious it's something about the headiness of knowledge and and being a knowledge authority in academia is another kind of power mechanism people become knowledge holders for the motive of power People become yoga teachers for the motive of power. You know, I know you don't. Come to me. You know, I have it. It's a power mechanism, you see, Re- just like religion is a power mechanism. And that, that is, the uh, you know, the cultural fault of civilization, frankly.
1: And do you think it's also because, you know, there has been this emphasis of mind over body, you know, that mind over matter, that the head dominates, and the body is somehow just this kind of material that is subordinate to a a dominating mind, which, again, is a masculine kind of...
0: It's patriarchy, the head of state.
1: Yeah, it's patriarchal, yeah.
0: The head of state, the boss that must be obeyed, the will of mind that must be obeyed. the, the, The body's nothing. It's just like a walking piece of flesh that holds a knotted mind. Exactly where the you know yoga links the mind to the heart <laughs> and the like literally in yoga it is understood that the mind is arising literally from the hridaya from the heart uh, from the the whole body nervous system as a function as a deeply refined extraordinary function of the whole body nervous system that's the, that is mind and the, yeah the mind is the mind is for communicating what life actually is. It's for communicating the heart. We need mind. It's a wonderful evolution in humanity, but it's it's being used in a completely uh, deranged way. As a presuming uh, the 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 necessity for seeking, religious seeking, yoga seeking, as it presumes that need, and a presumed separation. And the more you seek, the more you are presuming the separation, as if you are sort of an um, individualized capsule of energy separate from the cosmos when there's no such thing. So, yeah, that yoga does deal with this imagined problem of mind. And there is no problem. <laughs> the universe doesn't have a problem, the body does not have a problem. So anyway, the, the scholars do not look at the technology of asana as certainly as Krishna Macharya brought it through. The, the, the yoga scholars, this, you know, the scholars of of the tantras and so forth, they tend to have a, a fairly casual look into Ayanga yoga or this or that, and and don't practice that either. And their, their headiness is a, and one more power mechanism and dissociation, exploiting the gullibility of the people. You know, all this aside, what, what everybody needs is intimacy with their own life, with their own body and the context of the body, the substance of reality itself. This is what we need. And from there, the mind arises and functions to serve that.
1: Do you think it's that misidentification or that that lack of intimacy that causes these, I know some people might listen to this and it might sound amazing, but they might be like, well, I've got anxiety and I feel like shit, I, I can't even breathe properly. So it's it all sounds beautiful, but for them, they're thinking, well, I do have problems, you know, I have real problems happening.
0: I'm with you. Yeah, so the starting point is always, and the finishing point is to do a little yoga that's right for you, that you can do for your body type, age and health. Move and breathe as the whole body then you're able to relax more deeply into life and perhaps feel what life is uh and you know i've found rose this this ridiculous statement that we make to people when i say to you you are the power of the cosmos the body is the cosmos the body is life on earth do you get that and they and sometimes they say yeah, I get it intellectually. I just have to feel it. And I say, no. Is the body the cosmos? Yes or no? It's a yes or no answer. And is, it, is this body an extraordinary intelligence? Is this body part of the natural world? Is it the beauty that you perceive in every other aspect of the natural world? Yes or no? Is this body in a natural harmony, a perfect harmony with air and light and water and green <laughs> and the sun? <laughs> Yes or no? And they'll they'll think about it, and after a while they'll say, they'll sometimes reluctantly, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so anybody can get this if it's spoken to them. Then the yoga arises as participation in this that we just spoke of. And I find this, you know, people, with, who doesn't have problems? Who's not stressed out in life? You know, everybody is more and more so and we don't have to wait for the problems to go away you know no matter what the circumstances we intervene with a very easy light short non-obsessive daily yoga practice in your own home not not often the downtown gym doing flip-flops and clever gymnastics not that
1: beautiful and I would really recommend for anyone listening I think you know your yoga promise up. Are- where you just go through the techniques, the simple breathing, just arms lifting up on the inhale, exhale, simple unifying the breath and the body together. Like I've been doing yoga for like a while, daily practice and even home practice for a while. And just to go over what might be perceived as these beginner things, you know, these really simple things with that level of accuracy and exact kind of technique that you're offering it was very profound for me just to to do them on the app like in all seriousness I was just like wow really feeling like and then you know when I went and taught my classes like after that I just got people doing that at the beginning and just seeing how much the basic things are overlooked sometimes it's like wow like these simple things and also teaching people that Actually, what they're doing is advanced work, you know, in some ways, to have that level of concentration and awareness and execution it's not it's not easy, easy work, even though it's simple so so yeah,
0: we have a kind of a joke. we call some workshops Advanced Yoga for Perfect beginners rosalind Rosalind Atkinson teaches that class on the harder yoga. Um, Online studio, advanced yoga. And it's kind of a joke, but it's a serious advanced yoga because it is the advanced yoga, you see. And I've had people all around the world that some people will say, I've been doing for yoga for 30 years. How come nobody ever showed me this? It's not different from what they're already doing, it's just an addition to what they're doing. Is that one guy on Instagram? You'd love to hear him. His name is Dave, he's called Dave's Yoga daves underscore yoga Instagram and he was a Mysore junkie and we we did a pilgrimage around Mount Kailash and Lake Manasarova to the caves where Krishnamacharya was with his teacher and then we came down into Mysore and did a workshop in the Maharaja's palace there at the same time there was a the uh, Ashtanga Vinyasa Uh, hub was going on there and this Dave, his name's Dave Rogers and he came over to us and we gave him these principles and he's put these principles into his Ashtanga Vinyasa and it's completely informed him of what his yoga actually is rather than a struggle with the body and mind to get somewhere. So he's uh, just one example of which there are many of somebody who's got it, you know, and so These principles, in summary, these principles are for everybody. There are no styles of yoga that's been made up by the Western mind. It's an industry, a commodification, a product. And it's exploiting a gullible public, you know. Right. So no matter who the person is, there's a right yoga for every person. The body is the cosmos, right? What we do is. The movement of the body is the same as the movement of the breath. My arms come up, that's an inhale. As the arms come down, that's an exhale. The body movement is the breath movement. Underline is a unitary movement of body, breath, and mind in life. Capital L. What life actually is. That's number one. i say it in summary. One, the body movement is the breath movement. Two, the inhale is from above as receptivity. The exhale is from below as strength. On the inhale, the chest expands. On the exhale, the abdominals go somewhat in and up. Three, the breath envelops the movement. If this is the body movement, this is the breath movement. So, you know, I'm up here and I start. There's a pause, exhale, then move. Inhale. Then move. So you put the body in an envelope of the breath. Four parts of the breath inhale, pause, exhale, pause out. Number four is that asana creates banda in the breath ratio as part of the breath process. What is banda? Banda is the intelligent cooperation of muscle groups in this polarity of strength that is utterly receptive. So asana creates the bandha in the breath ratio. The breath is the gauge to the asana. You don't do any asana. You don't do postures without the breath. There's no muscular struggle in the body. The breath is the purpose of doing the asana. And then the final one, five, asana, pranayama, and meditation are a seamless process of intimacy with life, where asana allows for pranayama, pranayama allows for meditation like that. In fact, the principles of meditation are in asana and pranayama. And you cannot meditate. Meditation comes as a gift, or it's called a siddhi, as a result of your sadhana. The sadhana is the asana and pranayama. Sadhana means that which can be done. You can do asana and pranayama, but you cannot meditate. The mind struggling with the mind, with this faulty idea of residing as awareness relative to all conditions. Yoga is the embrace of conditions, not the, the dissociation by trying to find this peaceful place of awareness. It's kind of a modern idea. That's, you know, Krishnamacharya would say that meditation should never have been taught dissociated from its origins and its cause which is us which is yoga we're not denying meditation there is such a thing but it happens you cannot make it happen
1: yeah it's it's really profound what you've been saying here mark thank you so so much i really appreciate you and everything you've said and i appreciate you going over the principles um like that for for everyone listening and for me. Um, so people can find you on the Heart of Yoga. Is that right? That's your website.
0: heartofyoga.com Yep.
1: Awesome. Well yeah, I would highly recommend, you know, just yeah, coming in and seeing you in person or studying with you online. It's yeah, it's really transformative work that you're doing. So thank you so much. I really, really am honored and appreciate your time. Um, and appreciate the knowledge that you're offering and to me it's quite profound to think that this is just a droplet of what you're what you're offering in this small conversation and it's it's life-changing stuff so thank you so much mark i'm really grateful
0: well if anyone wants to come up to bali a short flight up from australia they're so welcome uh, december 4th to the 11th I just want to add, Rose, that Dasagachar would always say, whoever is a sincere student of my father and does their best to pass it on is in the Guru Parampara of my father. So you're you're in the this nurturing of the reality realization, wisdom cultures of the 10th century onwards. So that includes you. You know, that you've gathered these principles, you've become sincerely interested in, you know, what did Krishna Macharya teach? And now you're doing your best to pass it on. So you're in that, in that, uh, not to be mistaken as being some sort of religious lineage, you know, like I'm at the feet of know it all and under Swamiji, you know, not that. Uh, it's a wide open field if anybody can come and you know this this is the mother's milk of yoga culture that was flourished for a thousand years it's that it doesn't belong to anybody it's not a method or a style you know
1: yeah it's kind of like swimming in the river
0: yeah and you're in that river I have to say so thank
1: you oh thanks Oh, thank you. I really appreciate yeah, you saying that. And I really appreciate everything you've said. Honestly, it's been such a illuminating interview. And when I was researching for this podcast, I, I really kind of went as deep as I could, you know, into your history and, you know, how you ended up there. And I know we didn't talk a lot about it, but in, in the actual interview, but it's so amazing to think what you what you've done with your life. And I I thought I wonder what your family thought you know when you were just like right guys I'm heading off to India now and it's kind of virtually like you never came back in a way.
0: My family I don't um, know is it? Love what I they love yoga you know Uh, yeah they do and they love me and I love them so if there's any sort of like sadness because I was away so much they've sort of well you know they've got over that and I've got over it too you know like Totally.
1: What about your parents? Were they with you? Taught them as well?
0: It's kind of in them, you know. Oh, that's it. <laughs> my God, we could go on and on. My mother, they they had not put two philosophical thoughts together. But my mother, before she died, I sat with her for a month, and she started to perceive what I was, what my life was on about, you know. And I don't know how she perceived it, but there was something sort of mystical going on. And she started saying extraordinary things to me, like uh, things like, um, Mark, don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anyone or anything stop you. Because she was a feminist. You see, a New Zealand woman who was brought up in misogynist culture, who struggled with Getting the women's vote and you know, the early pioneers of feminism. My mother was there and she was very frustrated at the lack of polarity of men and women, and you know, her being controlled by authoritarian, you know, she was even prevented from being a school teacher because she became a mother. It's crazy nonsense that went on back then. That has much of it has been corrected. But she could see that this yoga was about the union the collaboration of men and women as equals and opposites where one empowers the other in same sex or opposite sex intimacy or any gender identification she saw that and she so from some sort of mystical place she empowered this work she would say this to you too don't let anything stop you because nothing can stop you actually this power of this universe cannot be stopped like Bob Bob Marley, you know no no atomic bomb can stop the time. You know, there's nothing that can stop this universe,
1: yeah, it's really um, it's so interesting because it it makes me really feel life in some ways, when we talk about it like this, it's so impersonal. It's very impersonal in the way that we're speaking about, you know, if we're expressions of reality, it's like, who are you to say you should be stopped? in a way that you should limit yourself. It's like it's impersonal and it's quite empowering. It's like your thoughts, say, contract you and say, I'm not good enough to do this or that. or, And it's like, well, who are you even to be in the way of the process of reality just happening?
0: Exactly. It is unstoppable. That's what the social patterning of knowledge authorities do. You have to struggle in a linear pattern of uh, of knowledge attainment all of it, in every field, not just spiritual, every field, is that struggle in the knowledge authorities of attainment, you know, where you are life itself and there's no power in this world can stop you from being what you are. The body is the cosmos. You are unstoppable. The universe is unstoppable. And yet, paradoxically, it's very personal. See, you are that. This unique person known as Rose, you are utterly unique. There's nobody remotely like you on this planet. You are you, and you are a unique uh, life expression, expressing life is expressing itself, the cosmos ex- expressing itself in and as you, this that is known as Rose. And, and this is utterly unique. There's no grotesque duplication of culture going on in Mother Nature, you know. Everybody is a a totally valued individual and in the yoga teaching, completely respected as an individual. This was Desikachar's gift as a teacher, utterly respecting every person, no matter who they were. So, yep. Anyway, my mother saw that. You know, they were brought up in colonial New Zealand, so they had all that patterning in them, uh, completely forgiven. (laughs) Uh, And my mother saw this mystically at the end of her life and empowered me and empowered you because you've heard this argument and the dog just acknowledged that statement again
1: (laughs) oh thank you so much mark i really enjoyed our chat it's been so nice
0: we'll meet again you have been listening to wisdom now
1: You can subscribe to find out about new episodes. We'll see you next time.